the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In the Bible, Paul asks, why do I do the things God asks me to do? Well, doing those things that God asks him to do makes him happy, as we'll see next on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. will ever be perfectly obedient to God's law this side of heaven. In fact, it might devour you. You'll end up saying things to yourself like, well, I don't read my Bible as I should, or I should pray more and keep Sundays more holy. However, when a person is set free by Christ, they're set free from this mentality. Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church will talk a lot about this here today on Abounding Grace. Join us, Galatians chapter 5, and read with us. The Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross, and the Holy Spirit came into our lives in order that we might, from the heart, gladly and willingly, as little children, bring our lives into conformity to God's demand on us from the pages of Holy Scripture, as we depend, not on our own strength, but as we depend on the Holy Spirit, who now lives within us, who made us new creatures. And as we depend upon him, we long to have our lives more and more righteous, more and more Christ-like, and more and more into the conformity to the revelation of God's will in Scripture. So we depend upon the power of the Holy Spirit. We depend upon the power of the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are conscious of the fact that because of Christ, we are now free to obey God from the heart, Willingly and gladly. Do you know how the Bible in 1 John defines the world? A person in the world is anyone for whom the law of God is a burden. Someone is of the world if the law of God is for him or her a burden. When living for God and obedience to God is the most miserable kind of life that you can imagine and is a burden to you, that will squelch your style, you are out of, you are of the world. You are not part of the kingdom of God because Christ has set you free from that attitude, so that obedience to God is no longer a burden. Now it's a joy. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.14, for the love of Christ controls me. He says, in effect, why do I do the things that God has commanded me to do? It is because of the law of Christ that fills my heart. Christ's love for me and my awareness of that love for me and my love for him gives me a desire and a joy to obey him. So a Christian doesn't obey the law of God out of a slavish duty. If I don't obey the law of God, then I'll probably lose my points. I've got to make all the points I can. I've got to pray more. I've got to be more strict on myself. I've got to be more disciplined. I've got to ensure my salvation. That is just good old legalism. That makes for a good Judaizer, but it is not good biblical theology. 
And someone who thinks he has to read the Bible every day, pray more. He's got to do all these things, keep Sunday more holy, make his life more orderly to ensure his salvation and to make all the points with God that he can. Is someone who knows nothing about freedom and who, who does not know what it means to believe in Jesus. When a person is set free by Christ, He is set free from the old mentality that the law of God is a burden. Now he loves it. He has the freedom to do what he ought to do. Now he loves to do what he ought to do. Before he was a Christian, he hated to do what he ought to do. Before he was a Christian, he had no ability to do what he ought to do. But after he became a Christian and Christ set him free, something happened. What was that something? Well, Ezekiel 36 tells us. God tells us in prophesying through Ezekiel about what the Lord Jesus Christ would accomplish. He said, I will give you a new heart. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. That is what the new birth is all about. That is why for a believer who has been set free by Christ, the law is no longer a burden. He's not perfect at obedience, and he regrets that. He hates himself for for that, and he, he longs for the day when he will be perfect. Of course, after his death and resurrection. But he recognizes the fact that Christ has set him free, and he has a totally new attitude toward pleasing God and living for his glory. Now, he wants to do it, and he grieves when he finds himself not doing it. And it is because the change is something that God did to him. It's it's not something he did to himself. It was because of something God did to him at the new birth in regeneration. He gave him a new heart. He wrote his law upon this heart. He put his spirit in his heart so that he might, with joy and gladness, voluntarily, not out of slavish fear, walk according to God's statutes And be careful in observing God's ordinances. That is one of the things Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, sang about in the first chapter of Luke. He said that God sent Jesus to us in Luke 174 for this reason. Now, much of modern Christendom knows nothing of this way of talking or this way of thinking. But Luke 174 says, God sent Jesus to us to grant to us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemy, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. They knew that's why Jesus was going to be born, that the Lord Jesus Christ would come to earth to save us from all of our enemies, sin, death, hell, the grave, Satan, and that he would set us free from all of our enemies, not so we could just sit back and do our own thing. Not so we could just sit around, strum a guitar, and wait for him to come. But Jesus was delivered for us from all of our enemies in order that we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. That is what freedom is. Freedom is the desire and the ability to serve Christ without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. Are you free?
What does the world say freedom is? It is freedom from any boundaries on my life, any outside restraints, so that I can follow the impulses of my heart. What does the Christian say? He says, well, you know, as long as I only had outside restraints as the law of God, I hated his law too. As long as that law of stone was the only law I knew about and the only location of the law was on tablets of stone, I hated it too. Those outside restraints aggravated my sin. But I have inside restraints now. It's not just that law commands me from the outside of my life, which it continues to do, but God has given me the ability and desire to obey that law, and now this desire is a restraint to my sin. I want to obey what is now written on stone. So freedom is a desire and the strength to obey God, to live life the way God wants us to live, in holiness and righteousness before Him all of our days, without slavish fear that He's going to send us to hell. Freedom is empowerment. It gives us access to God, far greater access to God than they had in the Old Testament. Oh, they had access to God in the Old Testament. But remember how it was pictured? The high priest could only go into the Holy of Holies, which was God's throne room in the tabernacle. The average Israelite couldn't ever go in there. He had, in that sense, little freedom of access. Only the high priest could go into the throne room of God, and even then, only once a year. But when the death of Jesus Christ took place, the veil that separated the front room of the temple from the Holy of Holies or the throne room of God, was rent in half. The veil was to keep everyone out except the high priest once a year. And when Christ died on the cross, that temple veil was ripped in two from top to bottom. The Bible said, not from bottom to top, because that could indicate that a man did it, but it was ripped in two from top to bottom, indicating that Christ did it. Now, Forget this thing of a high priest going in there once a year. And no average believer being able to enter into the throne room of God. Those days are over. And of course, praise God, they're over. As great as they were, I would rather live in these days of the New Testament because we have freedom of access to Almighty God at any time. We have freedom of willing, glad obedience to God's law. We don't feel like we're being made to do it. We don't consider the law of God as a burden. Then thirdly, freedom in Christ is that life in which a believer is walking and living in the abundant fullness and supernatural resources of the indwelling of the Spirit of God. Let me say it again. Listen carefully. A life of true freedom is a life in which a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is living in the abundant fullness and supernatural resources of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God, where the Spirit of God is there and only there and always there, there is liberty. Look at our text again. Galatians 5, chapter, verse 25. Most of the rest of this chapter, starting with verse 16, is all about the Holy Spirit. But notice verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. That is, the Holy Spirit has not only given us supernatural resources, enabling us to live lives of freedom, but he has also given us a rule by which we are to live, 
to use those supernatural resources to bring our lives into conformity to it. What it says is, if we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit's side. If we live in total dependence upon those abundant, supernatural, divine resources, the presence of the Holy Spirit is brought into our lives, so let us depend on those resources, not upon ourselves, and walk according to the rule of the Spirit. And the only rule that the Holy Spirit has ever given us is this book, this canon, this rule, this standard by which we are to live. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Notice the contrast that Paul makes in the early part of this chapter, which is between the mind that is set upon the flesh, that is, on, that is fallen human nature, meaning unbelievers, and those whose minds are set on the Spirit, that is, who are new people in Christ, whose whole inner life is now absorbed with the things of the Spirit and what he has revealed. But notice the presence of the Holy Spirit in this eighth chapter. I'm just going to read a few verses beginning in verse 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the power of the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. You see, the Spirit provides us with abundant supernatural resources as we depend upon the work and activity and resources and gifts and grace and influence of the Holy Spirit within us and not on ourselves. And we are able to manifest the requirements of the law in our lives, which is what? It is righteousness. It is Christ-likeness. Verse 5. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. A person who has been converted, his whole inner life now is consumed with the things of the Spirit. That is, the things that the Holy Spirit has revealed in His Word. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God. For it is not even able to do so. And those who are in flesh cannot please God. However, you, believer, are not of the flesh. In other words, you are no longer dominated by a fallen human nature. You are in the Spirit because you are in Christ. You are in the Spirit. And the Spirit is in you. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who indwells you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh, not to fallen human nature, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit and all of His power and activity in your life, you are putting to death the deeds of the body. If you are really dealing with and resisting sin in your life, you will live in the fullest sense of the word. Verse 14. 
For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which you cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Then down in verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we don't know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. So throughout this passage, you see the work of the Holy Spirit. And you know, a person could preach for a year just on these simple verses. When the Lord Jesus Christ sets you free from sin and he changes your heart, he writes his law upon it, he puts the Holy Spirit of God into your life. And every Christian has the Holy Spirit. And those who don't, he said, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you are none of his. So every true Christian has the Holy Spirit in his life. He dwells within our hearts. And the Holy Spirit works within us to enable us to say no when we need to say no to sin. And to say yes when we need to say yes to God. To keep us from being brought back into bondage to sin and Satan. He bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. He leads us. He assists us in our prayer and our worship. He stays in our lives enabling us to resist sin and to put to death the deeds of the flesh. And he will be with us throughout our whole lives. Then he who raised Jesus from the dead, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will raise us from the dead when the Lord Jesus Christ comes. For he never leaves us. This is the life of freedom. This is the life of the Spirit. A free life is a life where a believer lives day by day in totally, total dependence upon the abundant supernatural resources of the Holy Spirit within his life, depending upon those resources to walk according to the Spirit's rule. Let's look at some other verses back in Galatians 5. Someone who is free and walking and living every day in the fullness of the Spirit manifests the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. These are the fruits of the Spirit. These are the things only the Holy Spirit can produce in the believer. We can't produce these. These aren't inherent qualities that all of us have in seed form when we're born. These are virtues that only the Holy Spirit can produce and cultivate in us. And when a person is living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, that means to be filled with the Spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. It is present tense. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. Just continue to trust in Jesus Christ so that the Spirit might fill you with His presence, His gifts, His graces, His influence, His pressures, His leading. Now, how do you know that the Holy Spirit is filling you? How do you become filled with the Spirit? Well, if you compare Ephesians 5 with a chapter in Colossians, you will find to be Spirit-filled brings certain results, and to be Word-filled brings those same results. So the Spirit-filled Christian is the Word-filled Christian, and the Word-filled Christian is the Spirit-filled Christian. 
You will be filled with the word of God and you will live out the word of God. You will walk and think by the Spirit's rule and you will depend upon the Spirit's power to enable you to walk in conformity to that rule and you will continually throughout your life be filled with the Holy Spirit, which is not like filling up a big jar that you just kind of put a lid on the top. Because you see, it's like standing under a waterfall and the constant pressure and the constant influence and the constant refreshment of the Holy Spirit enables you to do and to love to do what you should do as a child of God, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. When you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, you also live with joy and with gratitude, doing the will of God with all your heart. Look at verse 14 of our text. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you will love your neighbor as yourself. When a person lives in the Holy Spirit, look at verse 16, and we're going to talk about this on other Sundays in the future and in detail. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh, that is, fallen human nature. You depend upon His resources. You walk by His rule, and you will be able to resist the desires of the flesh because as Romans 7 says, you joyfully concur and delight in the law of God in your inner man. You find yourself doing things you really don't want to do. You have trouble doing those things you do want to do that you shouldn't. But from the core of your being, you joyfully concur in the law of God. You love to love the law of God. You delight in it. It's a precious treasure to you. And in the presence of the Holy Spirit, you are fanning the flames of that concurrence in and delight in the law of God. And you are able to resist the desires of the flesh. In fact, when temptation comes your way, my good friends, there is never any excuse for giving into it. Never any excuse for caving into temptation when you are a free man or woman. Oh, well, Lord, I, I had a headache. I didn't feel like being sweet to him today. There is no excuse. Well, Lord, I'm chemically imbalanced. I just had to be harsh and mean. I just couldn't help myself. No. Well, Lord, I have this syndrome, so I can't be constant in obeying God and disciplining myself. No, there is no excuse for someone who has been set free by Christ whenever he or she sins. Always, beloved, blame yourself. Blame yourself and the leftovers of that old sinful life that still remains in you, that you must hate and continue to fight until the day you die. You and I will continue to, to sin. I hate to say it. It's a terrible thing to have to say. But whenever we do, there is never any excuse for it. It's not anything or anyone else's fault, ever. It is mine and it is yours. We have the divine resources of God in our lives. Do you understand that? So whenever we sin as Christians, we should understand, if it's possible, God hates our sins more than he hates the sin of the unbelieving pervert. There is less excuse for us to sin than for anyone else on earth. Therefore, we should be broken 
and grieving every time we are inconsistent with the freedom with which Christ has set us free. Someone who is free is someone who depends upon the power of the Holy Spirit to walk by the Spirit's rule. And as he depends upon that power, he is able to resist the desires and the tyranny of the flesh. Therefore, back to Galatians 5.1, briefly. Since it was for this kind of freedom that Christ has set us free, for assurance of salvation, for deliverance, empowerment, let us stand firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Let us not let anyone rob us of our freedom in Christ or compromise that freedom in any way. As I have said on previous Sundays, allow no one but Christ speaking in his written word to govern your conscience. Trust in no one but Christ for eternal life and acceptance with God. Don't let any man or church or institution load you down with traditions, rituals, and regulations and doctrines of men, making you feel duty-bound to obey them. Stand fast, my friends, whatever the cost. It will be worth it. Stand fast in that freedom with which Christ has set you free. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org. And if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.